we worked real hard to get guys that were, uh, for the most part, in, the, in their 20s with an ability to and some upside. So, uh, yeah, we've been working real hard at trying to get younger and more athletic. Obviously, from a player standpoint, people might think that players can get, you know, Get their focus can get off track, you know, when you're moving into a city like Las Vegas, man. But from what I know so far, we're trying to bring in the right guys that regardless of the situation of the outside sources, they have a vision for they, for themselves as far as the football player in their life. You know what I mean? And that's something that I'm really big on, man. With the, the rich history here in uh, Oakland and with the great fans and everything here, um, it's going to be interesting to see the translation and how, how it carries over to Las Vegas. So, I mean, I just looked at the model of the of the new stadium, and, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be crazy. Hey, everyone. It's Heidi Fang here along with our Raiders beat writer, Michael Gelkin, and it's time for another edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Again, you can always find us online at reviewjournal.com slash podcast or any platform that you subscribe on for your podcast. Make sure to drop us a comment. Let you Let us know what you think. We always love to hear from those of you out there listening to Vegas Nation. Before we get into all things draft-related, because we do have a lot to recap there, let's take a minute to get everybody updated on some of the latest news. But even before we do that, Michael, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Heidi. <laughs> finally got a chance to exhale from the draft. You know, now it's behind us. We know exactly who is here in terms of this draft class. We know who's here in terms of undrafted rookies. Raiders are going to hold their rookie mini camp uh, starting on Friday. So looking forward to that. But I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right as well, Michael. And it was really good to see you down there at the Oakland headquarters. Michael and I handled all things uh, draft related from Oakland until, well, the final day of the draft where I came out to Vegas. You know, we did get the chance to see each other again, a little bit of reunion of sorts. We hadn't seen each other since, I think, what, the end of last season. So it was nice. It was nice to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Well, uh, so we have a little bit of news here coming out of the Raiders camp and Isaiah Crowell, big piece of the running back puzzle, seems to be lost to the season, Michael, due to a tear of his Achilles tendon. What happened to Isaiah Crowell and what have the Raiders done to kind of repair what's been done here with him? Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Isaiah Crowell, as you mentioned, a loss for the season with an Achilles tendon rupture that reportedly occurred Tuesday, uh, which is the second day of the Raiders' uh, phase two on their, on their voluntary workout program. And so there's there's phase one for a couple of weeks where coaches and players aren't allowed to be on the same field. Really, only coaches are are, are the only way they can interact with players is through the classroom uh, with meetings. Uh, they can't actually go on the field. There's no footballs allowed on any on-field workout, and so. Uh, just athletes working with strength and conditioning staff. And starting on Monday, uh, for the first time, coaches and players were allowed to get on the field. So this is early, early in the Raiders' offseason activities. And the very next day, uh, Crowell suffers uh, the injury that will require season-ending surgery. And so to help mitigate his loss, the team's expected to sign Doug Martin, a familiar face who will be wearing an unfamiliar number this year because the team's number one uh, uh, one of its three number one uh, first round picks was, was, was invested in Josh Jacobs, the Alabama running back, the first running back off of the draft board. And so uh, Martin uh, won't be wearing number 28, uh, but we'll likely see him uh, sign soon. He's not officially signed quite yet, uh, but that is expected to transpire. All right. But with um, those additions, we have Josh Jacobs there, Michael. And then there's a few other guys that have uh 
I guess, to fight for position there, like DeAndre Washington, Chris Warren, Jalen Richard. What do you think? What What will this look like? How will things shake out with the running back picture? I think the only thing that's really certain is that Jalen Richard is going to be a part of it. It'll be Josh Jacobs. It'll be Jalen Richard, and then beyond that, you know, we'll see exactly what it looks like. You know, there's a good chance DeAndre Washington's part of this backfield, but you know, here in early May, you know, you can't submit that for sure just because he was kind of on the back end of things in 2018 although the team did carry him uh, to start the season over chris warren despite washington recovering from arthroscopic surgery and so um, warren is is an interesting name he's a name that nfl twitter is all over because he led the nfl in preseason rushing last year as an undrafted rookie Uh, he's got some great bloodlines i mean going on the list of just some interesting aspects of him but when you really take a close look in terms of how the Raiders view him, I, he isn't someone who's assured to be part of this thing in 2019. Uh, he's going to have a chance to, uh, but you know he's uh, he's an upright runner who's got to get better in pass protection. He's just got to do. He's a young back, um, so we'll see over the course of training camp and the preseason uh, what sort of stake he can claim on this position battle. Um, also, it would help if he could play some special teams, but I'm not sure quite at what he could contribute there based on what we saw last year. So uh, Warren's interesting, but um, he's going to have to earn an opportunity just like whoever else the Raiders might be bringing in here, uh, which includes uh, potentially rookies or, or what have you. So um, I would say Jalen Richard for sure uh, behind Josh Jacobs. He's going to see a lot of work. And then Doug Martin, DeAndre Washington vying for opportunities beyond that with Chris Warren looking to push his way into the door. When you look at what Crowell does well, he's really good at being one of those goal line backs that can muscle his way into the end zone. Somebody who can push the uh, defensive line back, if you will, uh, kind of a a bull when he comes through uh, from the backfield. So when you look at his style of running, who on the roster right now kind of can match that? Well, I think in terms of short yardage, you know, Josh Jacobs has some power to him. Uh, you know, even though he's a guy with, with obviously some wiggle and some route running ability, and he's considered to be a three-down back. And he's someone you can put in there in the short yardage situations. He's a stout guy. You know, Richard isn't. Uh, Martin, you know, he, he can do it. He has done it. Um, but you know, DeAndre Washington theoretically could. I think Josh Jacobs, though, um, he's somebody who could rack up double-digit touchdowns in this offense, especially if it's the sort of offense that the Raiders anticipated being where it's not just rushing touchdowns, it's receiving touchdowns. If they are able to use him the way they want to use him and also just you know get some luck in terms from a health standpoint, I think Josh Jacobs is a guy that I think probably a lot of people already are circling on their uh, you know, fantasy draft list as a guy who can you know be probably the top-scoring rookie at that position. Now, one name that we also should acknowledge is one that isn't on this Raiders roster, and that's Marshawn Lynch. You know, there's been talk that he could retire. Uh, there's been uh, no movement in terms of the Raiders signing him, and, and there's a reason why uh, all that's happening. Those two are connected. If the Raiders wanted Marshawn Lynch on their roster, he'd be on this roster. You know, he wouldn't be you know, reportedly retiring. Adam Schefter had that report in April before the draft. He would be a Raider. Uh, Oakland Raider. That's important to Marshawn Lynch, and he'd be open to having another season with the club. It would have been a th- would be a third. But all indications are that the Raiders are looking to move in a different direction. I mean, if you are looking at the tea leaves on this thing, they drafted a running back in the first round. 
they assign another one of their first round picks, safety Jonathan Abram, the number 24, which Marshall Lynch has worn you know, throughout his career. And then if that wasn't enough, when they lose Isaiah Corral to injury, they had two running backs who were for agents from last year's roster. Marshall Lynch was one. Doug Martin was the other. It was Martin who got the call. So we've been told now a number of ways that the Raiders are looking to go in another direction. And there's no other NFL team for which Marshawn Lynch wants to play beyond the Oakland Raiders. And so if the Raiders don't want him, he doesn't want to continue his career. And so that's where we are. Again, if things change from the Raiders standpoint, they wanted Marshawn Lynch to be a Raider. It sounds like today that he would be. But it's pretty clear at this point that the Raiders are seriously looking in another direction and not even the injury to Crowell could change that. Well, like you said, if Marshawn were to finish out his career, I can't imagine he would do it anywhere else besides Oakland. He is a native of that city, and that means a lot to him, I think, when you look at his career and how everything went and the last, you know, couple seasons here where he's been able to be a Raider. So I, I don't think for him there is any other option, like you said. But the Raiders seem to be going in other directions with other things as well. Um, they have a scout who bared some relation to the former GM. That was actually uh, Reggie McKenzie's twin brother, Raleigh. They've let him go. I mean, does this fall under the scope of there's a new sheriff in town and they're bringing in their own guys? Or is it just kind of a way to, you know, the contract was over and we have to let you go? Yeah, um, it was um, obviously the former uh, where it was known when Mike Mayock was hired, really the moment that Reggie McKenzie was dismissed in mid-December, that whoever the new GM was going to be was going to come in and bring in his own people after the draft. And we're going to start to see that here. Uh, Raleigh McKenzie is one of multiple Raider scouts who've been dismissed, I'm told. I don't have uh, other names confirmed. The last thing I want to do. It's one thing when you hear a name in terms of guy has been dismissed, but if you're unable to reach that guy and you're unable to confirm it, the last thing you want to do is put it out there that guy's been fired and, and not to be 100% accurate. So I'm, I'm being respectful of that and I have no further names to to to, uh, to list other than uh, Raleigh McKenzie, with whom I spoke and, and wrote an article on um, recently. He's um, you know, like you said, uh, you know, someone who's very closely linked to Mike Mayock's predecessor as his twin brother, and he had duties to fulfill under his contract that the Raiders needed uh, because he's an area scout assigned uh, the northeast region of the country from Carolinas to Maine, and uh, he had a job to do. And so uh, the Raiders included him as part of their pre-draft process, even though it is a bit of an awkward dynamic. I think uh, really you have to credit Raleigh McKenzie for the maturity and professionalism that he showed because I can't imagine what it would be like uh, when you've worked for an organization for about seven years and your brother brought you in, your twin brother brought you in, uh, and he's fired, and then you stay around um, after Joey Klinkscale is a childhood friend of your, your guys's um has been fired shortly thereafter and you're just going through the motions you know there's a high 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 probability you're going to be fired or, or not retained i should say because his contract was expiring uh, after the draft but still you go through the rigors and the meetings and the pro days and the all, every aspect of the pre-draft process uh, even though your fate is pretty much sealed and so uh, raleigh mckenzie uh, who would be at the senior bowl 
and dressed in his Raiders attire, and people would do double takes. Like, is that Reggie McKenzie? I thought he was fired, John. What's he doing? So, like, he did through all that. You know, it was very public, and uh, you know, it was he was kind of the talk. You know, you, you know, sometimes you're walking and you kind of feel people looking at you or talking to you. Yeah, that was pretty much Raleigh McKenzie's life uh, for months. Um, but still, he fulfilled his duties again, and uh, now uh, will await his next opportunity, be it in scouting or otherwise. I admit the only way you could tell them apart was that Raleigh had a mustache. <laughs> he had a little bit of a mustache, yeah. and he's uh, he had a bad knee, and so especially after surgery a couple of years ago, that was a uh, that was help. So he kind of have a, have a different gait to their walk. But you're right, the yep. mustache is, is a good indicator. Yeah. So uh, as a photographer, that became a little bit tricky. I had to look for all the clues <laughs> before he put it out <laughs> in print. But uh, as we see past all the news here and things that the Raiders have done lately with the roster. Obviously the draft is a big part of what's to come here for the season, the rookie camp, as you mentioned, starting this coming Friday and Michael, everything that you wrote is fantastic on these guys. I really liked the piece that features about the the adversity that so many of them have been through. Um, You look at the top two picks here for the Raiders and those guys and the character that they're going to add to this team, the things that they've been through with Josh Jacobs and Cleland Furl, I think uh, it speaks a lot for, as you mentioned in your articles, the culture that the Raiders are trying to build, the people that they're trying to bring in. Uh, When we look at an overview of the picks from the NFL draft, uh, what was your general consensus outside of that, of the the picks that they made and what they brought in to add to the team here? I think one thing that I heard, I was talking to a scout from another organization, and he said that, kind of confirmed what, I was feeling about this Raiders draft, which is there's just a totally different vibe, a totally different feel about the approach the Raiders had and executed with this draft class. Whereas last year in 2018, you know, uh, you know, moving aside from there, are obviously some um, exceptions to this, you know, Colton Miller was viewed to be clean as a prospect from a medical standpoint and character standpoint in terms of no red flags about anything off the field with him. But when you look at, you know, some of the other selections that, the Raiders made. I mean, they sucked multiple guys that were off of other teams' draft boards at times for multiple reasons. You know, like Arden Key, Raiders traded up in the third round for him. You know, there was teams that failed him because of off-the-field concerns with his character, and there were other teams that failed him as well for medical concerns because of a shoulder injury, and yet the Raiders traded up and they drafted him. You know, I should say John Gruden. That was very much, it felt like John Gruden uh, kind of took over the wheel. That draft had a different vibe than any before him under Reggie McKenzie. And then, you know, there's other picks as well that the Raiders made that uh, raised eyebrows uh, from some around the league. And so, um, you know, there wasn't any of those this year. I mean, maybe your eyes raised, eyebrows raised a little bit when the Raiders select Cleveland Furl at number four overall, uh, because you would think, you know, the Raiders could have traded back and selected him, say, at 10 instead of four overall. But the team tried to trade back and, and draft him at a better quote-unquote value and, and get extra picks for him. It just couldn't because nobody was willing really to move up. And they decided to stay true to their draft board. Nick Bosa, their top edge defender on their board, was gone. And here was their next one, and they were going to take him. And so um, you, once you move past that, and, and you look at this Raiders draft class, and you see a lot of value. You see a lot of needs being addressed. You see a lot of high-character guys uh, coming into this building. Uh, that was something that Mike Mayock, 
really talked about a lot before the draft, not just publicly, but privately, foundational players, guys who not only were talented, but instilled the sort of character that they had, uh, you know, looking for off the field and in the locker rooms and in meetings and all those sorts of things. So um, this draft class felt different from the last one, and we'll see what sort of results it yields. But the Raiders, I think rightfully, are encouraged and excited about what they were able to do on draft day. And a lot of these picks, Michael, uh, were people that they saw in the Senior Bowl. <laughs> and there's yeah, also saw them, but didn't coach them. Yeah. So what do you make of that? Is it just that they were kind of, I guess, eyeballing everybody that they saw out there and they had a lot of high marks on some of these players that they did see? Yeah, the Senior Bowl is a fantastic opportunity for any team that goes there, but certainly for the two coaching staffs who are assigned to coach either the North or the South squad in Mobile, Alabama. This happens in January, shortly before the Super Bowl. And the Raiders and 49ers were assigned uh, that task of coaching. And uh, the Raiders were coaching the North squad and yet drafted four players from the South. Uh, you know, there was a, the man who oversees the senior bowl game. He sent a text message to, um, to Mike Mayock during the draft after the fourth player was selected and said, I guess I, I gave you guys the wrong team to coach. Um, but so uh, the Raiders were able to add uh, guys that, yeah, they, they coached against. And so uh, they did also bring in his undrafted rookies, guys like Tavon Coney, uh, Notre Dame linebacker that they coach, Keelan Doss, former UC Davis wide receiver, whom they coach, as well as Alec Ingold, a former Wisconsin fullback that they coach. But um, from a uh, drafting standpoint, starting with Jonathan Abram, who wasn't actually able to participate in the game, uh, the Raiders um, added some guys that they were coaching against. Uh, they still had an opportunity to spend extra time with these guys uh, on like the Friday before the Saturday game. I want to say it was January 25th. Raiders sat down with guys like Jonathan Abram or going through film, just getting a feel for them. Um, so uh, th- those are the sorts of uh, exposures that the Raiders were able to get. So Hunter Renfro, a team's late-round draft pick, who's expected to be a top option to be their slot op- slot receiver this year. He was on the, on the South squad against them, as was Isaiah Johnson of Houston. I mentioned already Jonathan Abram, the first-round pick, and, uh, and also former LSU tight end Foster Moreau. Um, so these were all guys that the Raiders really liked. Didn't get to coach them personally in January. But now, under four-year contracts with, in the case of Abram, a fifth-year team option, uh, Raiders uh, certainly have plenty of opportunity to coach them now. And they did get themselves three Clemson players as well. Cleland Furl, then you have Trayvon Mullen, and then you have, as you mentioned, Hunter Renfro, who uh, in that 2017 uh, national championship game, he caught a game-winning touchdown thrown by Deshaun Watson. So I feel like they got a lot of value out of him just based on that. I feel like a lot of people might have forgotten about who he was in that game coming into this draft. So it was almost like a kind of a sleeper pick, I think, uh, to have somebody like this that they can plug in right away. Uh, you mentioned it on that day of the draft, Michael, that they had to fill a hole left behind, avoid left behind by Seth Roberts. And is Hunter Renfro that guy? He is. Uh, they, they believe that he is. You know, he's a fifth round pick who isn't somebody who took the combine by storm by any stretch. I mean, he's five foot, foot 10. He's 184 pounds. Yeah, I think he had the smallest hands in the draft at seven and seven eighths inches, and then I think he might have well has had the shortest arms at, at 29 and a quarter inches. Um, he's not somebody 
who's imposing with size. There's like running jokes that he looks like he's 40 years old already, despite <laughs> him being 22, 23. And so uh, he comes into this league and he's his maturity uh, as a person uh, definitely jumps out. Uh, his maturity as a route runner, his ability to get in and out of his breaks. And despite him having you know small hands from a tape measure standpoint, he's somebody who's actually got really trustworthy hands. And um, as someone who projects to be a very reliable receiver for Derek Carr. And yes, Derek Carr, where he was drafted. No, cor- no, no QBs this draft unless you <laughs> count Quinton Bell, the defensive end he took in the seventh round. Um, so uh, Renfro is, is, is somebody who Mayock believes can be a quarterback's best friend. Somebody who, uh, when a quarterback before the snap can tell there's six rushers coming and he's only got five in protection, he's got to get rid of the ball quick. It's really nice having somebody like Hunter Renfro who can separate so quickly in his routes, get open over the middle of the field with a slant or what have you, and just have that also ability after the catch to move the chains. And so uh, the Raiders believe he can be reliable despite him not having you know the necessary you know measurables of a DK Metcalf, some giant outside guy. You know, he doesn't need to be that guy. He just needs to be trusty, reliable, and the Raiders believe he can be that. Was there any surprise on your end that there was no guard taken? A bit, yeah. I think that's probably the one position where you thought that the Raiders were going to address. And I think it's one position that the Raiders didn't address that they thought they were going to as well. It just didn't happen for them. You know, they ended up, you know, in the fourth round, you know, with uh, Isaiah Johnson, you know, taking a cornerback that, you know, theoretically could have been a guard if someone that they liked was still available. But uh, they decided to take the best player on the board and someone that they felt should have gone as early as the second round. And so, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes you have to take what the draft gives you and you give credit for the Raiders for listening to that and not forcing it. Um, so we could see, however, now in free agency, the Raiders add someone, a guard, veteran guard, who can compete with Denzel Good for a starting job. Um, but right now, when you talk about the winners and losers of this Raiders roster going into the draft, uh, Denzel Good uh, certainly was a winner. I would put Nick Nelson, a fourth-round pick, cornerback that the Raiders took last year, as uh, somebody who didn't benef- did not benefit from this draft, given the competition that firmly places him on the roster bubble. I think it's more likely than not today that Nick Nelson won't make this roster, which is uh, something uh, yeah. to note. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll ultimately uh, see how the competition plays itself out. He'll be given every chance to compete. Uh, but uh, the Raiders have a lot of competition at cornerback, which is something that they want. They want com- competition at that spot. Um, you know, Paul Gunther, you know, historically, you know, he, he likes to draft a cornerback each year. And so he's got himself two from this draft class. Here's my last thing for you, Michael, before we wrap things up here. The Defensive ends that they drafted, how much of an impact can they have immediately with the team? Obviously, that was a big position that needed to have people plugged into it. But do they have the right people? Well, we're going to see. I think no doubt they got a lot better, a lot deeper, a lot more athletic at that position. Um, We'll start with Cleveland Furl, number four overall pick. He's somebody who just brings energy, brings intensity, brings passion, brings commitment, brings all these tangibles, intangibles to the position, and not just the position, to the defense, to the entire locker room. He's somebody who can kind of change your building, which is part of the reason the Raiders felt comfortable 
kicking him a bit earlier than you know maybe they would have otherwise because he's that type of a person off the field. You're not just getting what his production was as a two-time All-American. You're getting the captain of a national championship team and everything that that entails. I mean, he really was the heart of that football team. And you know, the Raiders got a couple more bones with it, but with the two other Clemson players they drafted. Uh, but it, no doubt, uh, this is someone who they believe uh, can be an impact person day one and an impact player uh, to some degree as well. He's a two-way guy. He's not going to be uh, just a pass rusher. He can play the run, too. Um, so his impact isn't going to be necessarily um, represented entirely in his sack total, ever. Um, he brings more to the table than that. And so I think he's somebody who could probably get four to six sacks. I think that would be really good for him as a rookie. Um, but also just, again, being an edge presence and a presence beyond that on the field. Uh, Max Crosby, uh, somebody... Uh, the Raiders took a little bit later in the draft in the, in the fourth round. Um, he, out of Eastern Michigan, has got to get a lot stronger. Uh, that's one thing that the Raiders uh, were very clear to him on. Is they, not, they want him and strength and conditioning assistant Deuce Gruden, who's one of John's sons, mm -hmm. uh, to be tied to the hip, so to speak, and just be in the weight room together on a plan, on a program, and adding – strength to his frame uh, the Raiders believe he can get a lot better uh, but he's a high motor player and if he can get stronger you add his motor um, he's just going to find his way into tackles and into plays and into disruptive action on the field uh, they really believe um, he, he can be a, a really nice value for them in that fourth round like the Raiders had uh, two fourth round picks in a pretty tight span because of a trade that they made on this Friday of the draft, day two, during the second round. They moved back from 35 to 38, 38 to 40. And once the dust settled, they had themselves an extra fourth-round pick along with some other advantages. So uh, by doing that, uh, we got a good look at, in terms of how the Raiders value Max Crosby because uh, their first chance to be on the clock on the final day of the draft, they jumped and, and turned in the car, didn't trade back anymore, and got this guy. And so we'll see what he can do. Uh, but He's a great example, Max Crosby, of you don't evaluate a draft class after one day or one month or one year. Uh, it takes multiple years to really see how guys come into their own. And he's a good example of someone who's going to take some time before he ever realizes his full NFL potential. And then the seventh round pick, Quinton Bell. He is a prospect in every sort of way. I mean, he's got some great physical tools. I mean, you look at what he did at the Combine. I'm probably not at the Combine. His pro day, he wasn't invited to the Combine. Uh, at his pro day, uh, his athleticism with his 40-yard dash, I mean, anytime a defensive end, uh, albeit a, a wide receiver convert, uh, anytime a defensive end runs in the 4-4s, four uh, that catches your attention. And so he's got to get a lot stronger. Uh, he's the nephew of Nick Bell, who was a former second-round pick for the Raiders um, back in the day. Uh, he's... Uh, Nick Bell or Quentin Bell, he he's got some ability. Uh, whether or not he can make the 53-man roster, we'll see. He'll have to force his way onto it. Otherwise, he's a perfect type of a prospect to have on your practice squad. I have a feeling that the Raiders won't be able to comfortably sneak him onto their practice squad, given the interest that exi existed around the NFL in Bell. Uh, if you're a pass rusher and a team believes that you can develop into a difference maker, uh, they're going to find a way to stash you, to keep you on the roster so they don't lose you because uh, you got to draft and develop these guys. You can't find an impact pass rusher in for agency. Often these guys get franchise tagged and traded. So uh, Bell has a high ceiling, 
at a low floor. He's going to be there somewhere in between, and it's up to the Raiders and Bell to get the most out of him so that he's reaching that ceiling and can one day be an NFL player, but you're probably not projecting that for him year one. And you mentioned Nick Bell. 28 years ago, he was drafted by the Raiders. So it's not an uncommon name here for the team, and we'll see if he can do that and name some justice when he gets on the field. And rookie camp, as you mentioned, starting Friday, Michael. Again, you can find all of Michael's work on ReviewJournal.com as well as in print. And so as we get the offseason underway, you want to keep up with us on Twitter at NFL, and I am at Heidi Fang. And again, you can find all of the episodes of Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you find your podcasts, as well as ReviewJournal.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening.